welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Open your Bibles, the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 26. We are going through a series here on prayer, and you should hopefully have received a bulletin so you can follow along with that. Also today, you can get this digitally as well as you can get this, pick up a hard copy. We have them out front in the Welcome Center as well as right here. This is our 40 Days of Prayer Guide. I'm going to ask you today to make a commitment to pray for 40 days. And I'm going to explain to you why. You're going to, you can follow along. This will take you all the way beginning today, August 29th, to Thursday, October 7th. And that is one day, we have a scheduled revival that first weekend in October. We have a gentleman coming up named Ronnie Hill from Fort Worth, Texas. We're going to have a fantastic time of personal revival. We've got themes, you'll be hearing more about this as we get closer, different dinners, and you'll be uh, learning more about that. But revival will not occur without you and I praying, dedicated time, expecting, asking pleading with the Lord to move. Think about, I, we just had a time of prayer. Think about all the different needs that we could be praying for. Every week, truly, there is a crisis in America. It is one thing after another. And it reminds us that we can't, we can't solve these problems. Only the Lord can. So I'm going to ask you to make sure, this is online on our church website. I put it on my Facebook page this morning. It's uh, as well as it'll be on church Facebook page. You can make sure you have a digital copy or a hard copy. Put in your Bible and you make a commitment to pray through this. You'll be hearing more about this the next 40 days. So stay tuned with that. 40 days. If you look here in your bulletin, 40 days is common. I didn't make up that number. That came from God. The flood. It rained 40 days and 40 nights. Moses went up Mount Sinai. And he was with God on the mountain of God for 40 days and 40 nights. And he came down with the Ten Commandments. Forty days before they went into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb and the twelve spies, the scouts, they went into the promised land. And they just kind of wandered around for 40 days. Just looked at the land. Goliath, he came out for 40 days and he mocked. Saul, King Saul and all of Israel, he mocked them for 40 days. And then on the last day, David, little David, heard him making fun of God and Israel. And we all know he picked up some stones and killed Goliath. Elijah, after he called down fire from heaven, he then was worried because Jezebel, who was the most wicked probably queen ever in in history, certainly in Bible history, she said she was going to kill Elijah. He then walked, he walked, I believe it was 263 miles down to Horeb. Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. He went to the mountain of God and he spent time with the Lord. He walked for 40 days. And that's when God spoke to him and says, what are you doing? Why are you running away from this, this woman? Do you not realize, I just, be at your word, 
allowed fire to come down from heaven, why would you and kill all the Baal-worshipping prophets? Why would you fear her? But he did that for 40 days. You see, you spend 40 days with God, it changes your life. Jonah, we know the story of Jonah. God called him to go to Nineveh. He had to go there via a large fish. But when he went to Nineveh, his message was, Nineveh, you've got 40 days. He preached to them and called them to repent. And they did repent. If they did not repent, God was going to destroy their nation or their country or their city there. And they did repent. It was a 40-day opportunity of preaching. Jesus was tempted. He went out in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days. And then he was tempted by the devil. But he spent that period, 40 days, with the Lord. Jesus' resurrection, he came out of the tomb. And the Bible says he appeared to over 500 of his different followers and disciples and apostles. How long between the resurrection and the ascension? 40 days. We see these periods. God uses a 40-day period from the Old Testament to New Testament to bring change in your life. And here's why 40 days is important. You do something for 40 days, a habit develops. Think about what you could do in 40 days. I mean, we can't even think about all the changes. The 40 days ends, 40 days from today is October 7th. We can't even think that far down the road. Who knows what? I mean, that'll be in the middle of football season. I mean, soon basketball season will be getting underway. At that point, uh, it will be fall, nice, cool weather. Who knows what will be going on with COVID and the war? There will be new crises going have to have occurred by then. But 40 days for you spiritually, it can change your life. 40 days, you start faithfully making a commitment to pray to the Lord. I promise you will develop a habit of prayer. You will develop a habit of spending time and preparing to meet with God. Not only that, even on a practical level, think about 40 days. You could actually lose weight and totally change how you look like in 40 days. You could develop, you start going to the gym, you will develop muscles in 40 days. All of a sudden, you can transform not just your spiritual life, you can transform your own personal life in a 40-day period. So this is a time period. This is why God did this. Because He knows you commit to something for 40 days, it will bring lasting change in your life. We all know, a lot of us, when we make promises or commitments, by day three or four, you've already lost this little prayer guide. Where, what did, where did I put it? By one week, you forgot, you forgot the sermon. But when you make a commitment over a long period of time to October 7th to do something, everything can be different in your life. And God is looking for us to be transformed, not by one day, but a 40-day period. And I believe for us spiritually, even for a church, we could wake up on day 40, and we, you could see a lot of changed lives. There could be new faces who've gotten saved in these pews. 
new people getting, have been baptized, all of a sudden, God has used you to be instrumental in seeing unchurched people come to know the Lord. Here in your Bible, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 26, He has been arrested. Or He's about to be arrested. This is really minutes and hours before His arrest. And He just left the upper room. And He goes out to what we call the Garden of Gethsemane at the bottom of the Mount of Olives, right outside of Jerusalem. And the Bible says that He's just, he's anxious, he's nervous. He's, he's realizing what's about to happen. Judas has already left. Judas has gone to the Pharisees and the chief priests. And they're coming to get Jesus. And Jesus knows this, he's God. And he took his disciples, all 12 of them, or at that point 11 of them. And then he took a smaller group and he said, y'all, y'all wait right here and pray. But then he took... And then he took another group, Peter, James, and John, and he walked over here. This is an olive, kind of a little garden area. This is late at night. And he says, guys, I want you three to wait right here and pray. Y'all just pray. They don't understand what's going on. But the Lord has told them, you just need to spend time in prayer. And then Jesus went a little ways over here. And he was praying intensely. And he most likely prayed for an hour. But then he came back. And he's going to come back to his disciples. Because he's wondering, I hope they've been praying. I hope they've honored what my request, what I asked them to do. So that's where we pick up right here. Let's see what his disciples are up to. He's come back to them. And it says in verse 40. Then he came to the disciples and he found them sleeping. They're they're not praying, they're they're sleeping. He finds them asleep. And he says to Peter, So couldn't you stay awake with me for one hour? One hour. So that means we know Jesus went away to pray for one hour. And he came back and they were snoring. And you can just sense he's frustrated with this. Because they they don't understand the, the critical need of the moment. And I want you to know, we live in that critical need right now. Our country is so divided. Our country is so divided that there are probably Americans, many Americans, that want us to lose a war. They would cheer if there was a terrorist attack here. It's almost backwards. What is right, many people believe is wrong. And what is wrong, some people believe is right. There are people in this country that a hurricane's going to hit the wonderful state of Louisiana. I lived there for two or three years. Loved it. The Peavies are from Louisiana. There will be people, people who are cheering the hurricane because it's going to wake up people to global warming and climate change. Watch. That, that, that just shows you human loss of life will occur. That's, that's a divisive nation. What we think is so normal and common sense, other people think is terrible. You talk about a critical need. We live in the most critical need. Jesus comes to these folks 
And he says, you couldn't stay awake with me for one hour? Listen, guys, stay awake and pray so that you won't enter into temptation. Meaning you don't know what's about to hit you. I wonder if the Lord's speaking that to us. Think about all the people who've fallen away from church the past year or so with COVID. Most Christians, they, they, they don't understand who the enemy is. They think the enemy is folks who make laws, folks who ask you to wear a mask, folks who tell you to get a vaccine, folks who are, are, are running Washington. That's not our enemy. Our enemy is the devil. The devil wants to sidetrack us as believers to get us thinking and focused on other things that are not important. Now, they're important, but it's not the most important thing. The Lord here is telling us here. He says, you stay awake and pray so that you won't enter temptation. What's the most important thing is we don't fall into temptation. We don't find our lives sidetracked. Instead of living for the Lord, we're actually literally just wasting our life, sleeping, going about, uh, not managing our time, not growing as disciples, not honoring Christ with our life. The spirit is willing, but the body or the flesh is weak. And that's why 40 days is important. Day one or two is easy. Day 30, 35, 40, it gets hard. But a habit has been developed. The Lord is working. Do you know, I think about the things that are eternal in our world. There's only three things that actually last. And they're actually found in the Bible. Two are in the book of Genesis, one's in the book of Matthew. This is all that matters to us. And this, when you, when you grasp these things, it puts everything in perspective. Because this is why making a commitment to the Lord for 40 days, it, it, it opens up our minds to what's most important. Because we, we, sometimes we lose focus of what's most important. These, these folks here, these disciples, they felt what was most important to them is they were sleepy. They didn't understand that we're in a great time of temptation. They did not realize they were about to get hit. Do you know when Jesus was arrested, these disciples all scattered. They abandoned the Lord. Genesis 1.1 tells us the first thing in order that's eternal. There's only three things that are eternal. The first thing that's eternal is the Word of God. Your Bible that you're holding, that I'm holding right here, when we go to heaven, if you're saved, you're going to heaven, you will see this book. The same words. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. You might as well memorize that Bible verse because you're going to see it again. Even in heaven, it will be there. The Word of God is eternal. This book is an instruction manual that teaches us about the Lord. And it teaches us how to be saved. And it teaches us how to know God. It's eternal. The words here, Jesus says, my word will never go away. You will see this book again. You will see these words again. The words of God don't vanish. If he says something, it occurs. Before anything else came, the word of God. You say, 
Pastor, what about Jesus? Is he eternal? The book of John actually says Jesus is the Word because he is God and his Word is true. When Jesus speaks, it's God speaking. You want to know about God? You read your Bible. He reveals himself in Scripture. He's chosen to do that. That's why the Word of God is so central to everything in our life. Number two, that's eternal. Number two, our souls are eternal. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 tells us this is where we came from. Then God said, let us. Do you know who the us is? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So in creation, all parts of the triune God are involved in creation. Let us make man in our image, according to our meaning likeness. This is where we receive a soul. When you and I die, when those two pastors stepped into attorney, when they are, their heart stopped beating and their lungs stopped breathing on Thursday, they went from earth immediately into heaven. How did they do that? Because of Genesis 1.26. God creates humans in His image. This is why abortion is so wrong. Even in the womb, God has created these children in His image. Being in His image, say, what does that mean to be created in the image of God? The God is eternal. He doesn't end. He doesn't die. He doesn't cease to exist. There will never be a time where God or Jesus or the Holy Spirit don't exist. There will not be a time that we do not exist. Now, here on earth we won't exist. There might not even be an earth one day. But our souls live forever. That's what it meant means by our image, according to our likeness. God's likeness is different than all other creation. This is what sets us apart from the animal kingdom. We all love our animals and we love our pets, but they do not have souls. Animals do not live forever. Who lives forever? Humans have souls that go to eternity. So these are the things that matter. The Word of God, Genesis 1-1, God spoke. Our souls live forever because we were created like God. But there's one more thing that is eternal. And it's the church. Jesus said, do you know the church was established by Jesus? This is it. These are only three things. And when I say church, I'm not just talking about Broadway Baptist Church. I'm not talking about the church in Afghanistan. Because I know there will be churches that are destroyed. Little local congregations that will give their lives this week and the next few weeks, in the name of Jesus, in Afghanistan right now. They will, they will die for their faith. But Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, He says, And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. The gates of Hades, that is death in hell, meaning the church will never cease to exist. There will always be a Christian church, a Christian 
testimony, a Christian body, even when the Antichrist comes, and he is coming, he will try to target and wipe out the church, but he can't. Because Jesus says he will not. The devil will not overpower. As wicked and as immoral this world becomes, and our nation, our city becomes, Christ will always have a presence. There will be an active church. Doesn't necessarily mean it will be Lexington, Kentucky. The church can move. It can go anywhere. It can go above ground, underground, go to the mountains, the valleys, where there's a body, a group of believers, the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the Word of God. You have the church. People who are saved and redeemed and worship Christ. That is the church. It's not a building. It's a body of believers. Jesus established the church. And He says it will never end. So you think about these things. Guys, this is all that matters. Nothing else is eternal. Things, money, wealth, possessions, accomplishments, sports teams, every record is going to be broken. Three things. God's Word. This, so I'm sharing this because when you understand these three things, it puts everything in perspective to what matters in the whole world. And then all of a sudden, that shapes your prayer life because you know your true priorities. God's Word will always be with us. Our souls will always be with us. They're eternal. That's what we're talking about. Three, the three eternal things. And the church that was established by Jesus will never cease. God created these three things and they will always be with us. When we go to heaven... There will still be a church. You will see those. Do you, do you know even our marriages, our relationships with our children, they won't be, exist in heaven. We won't have the same relationships with each other. Our friendships, everything, all those things will be different in heaven. But those three things I've named will continue to exist in eternity. So understanding that, if you've grasped what is of eternal significance. That should shape your prayer life. Because prayer, prayer is when you approach God and you've come to Him with an expectancy that He has a message for you. There's a lot of messages out there. And remember, Jesus, He came to these disciples and He says, guys, y'all need to pray because if you don't, you're going to fall into temptation. And I think a lot of times for us, when we think of temptation, we go to the extremes. And we think, well, I'm not going to murder anybody. I'm not going to commit adultery. I'm not going to rob a bank. I'm not going to shoot my neighbor. We, we think of the most extreme things for temptation. But that wasn't the temptation that happened to the disciples. When Jesus was arrested, do you know... It says, John 6.66 says the disciples, they abandoned him. Mark, one of the followers, he actually ran away with no clothes on. He didn't wear clothes. They were so scared. I think what the temptation for us is that it's not that we're going to lose our salvation. It's what we're going to be, what I call, sidelined. You were once faithful, you had a prayer life, you were diligent, you were 
you were spending, when your pastor asked you to, in the old days to spend 40 days in prayer for revival and a spiritual renewal, you were the first one that says, I'll do it. But now you come with the excuses. Oh, I, I don't know if I have time for that. Do you know that excuse? I don't have time. Do you know you can use that to stop anything? Anything in your life. Anything you don't want to do. All you have to say. And a lot of people just go along with it. Oh, I don't have time. Do you want to come to church? Oh, I don't have time. Do you want to uh, make a commitment to pray? I, I would love to, but I don't have time. Do you know our time, we all have the same amount of time. How we use our time determines how we think of eternity. Because those three things, if you know the only three things that matter, our souls, the Word of God, and the church, those are the only three eternal things. Our time should be shaped around those three priorities. And what happens is if you want to experience change, you want to see God working through you and see the power of God in our nation. The day of judgment for America is near. This is a wicked and immoral nation. Completely. Right is wrong, wrong is right. There is no more greater need for believers here at Broadway Baptist Church in our city and our nation to be crying and calling out to God, asking for renewal and revival. And that excuse, you know, we say, God, I just don't have time. Or let me tell you, you'll start a day or two, and by Wednesday or Thursday, you've quit. Forty days is a habit. Forty days requires discipline. You want to do something that lasts, it requires work. Nothing comes easy. Anything that's long-lasting and worthwhile requires effort and time by you. And God is looking. He's looking at His disciples and says, Guys, y'all couldn't be with me for one... You can give me one hour. You know, He went away and prayed and He came back and why did He find them? He, they were still sleeping. He waited a third time, he prayed to the Lord, and, they came, and here they are asleep, and that point is over. They're sleeping, and here comes Judas and the Pharisees. And Jesus was arrested, and they scattered. The temptation hit them. And for us spiritually, we need to make sure that we don't have an undisciplined mind, an undisciplined uh, uh, t- way we spend our time that's in many ways, it's robbing our spiritual and our prayer life. An undisciplined mind destroys your prayer life. Undisciplined mind means you're giving attention to things that do not matter. TV shows, movies, just whatever you feel is important. How you spend your time reading books that's not God's Word. And the Lord is... The Lord is saying, there, there's, your, there's your reason. Your greatest need is you need God. You need to experience the touch and the presence of the Lord, but you won't make time for it. See, if we had a pop quiz, we would all answer the questions correctly. We know the right answer. We know we should be doing this. But the Lord is saying, will you give me one hour? Quit sleeping. There's a time to sleep, yes, but there's also a time to pray. There's a time that we sp- say, God, this matters so much, 
I'm going to spend time with you. The answer to all of our problems can be found with contact with Almighty God. Every single problem the Lord has an answer for. He can solve and will do anything. Do you pray for your leaders as much as you criticize them? Did you pray for President Joe Biden today? This week? The past month? Have you prayed for your pastor? Have you prayed for your employer? Have you prayed for your children and your grandchildren? You think about the people in your life that maybe have an influence or you want to influence others. Have you spent the time to actually pray for them? Now, you might have criticized them. It's easy to criticize. Anyone could be a critic. Folks, prayer is work. It's, it's humbling because you're saying, God, I might can't fix this. In fact, I know I can't fix this, but I know, Lord, you can fix it. And only you can fix it. And God, I'm turning to you. What's eternal? The Word of God's eternal. Our souls are eternal. You pray for your neighbors to come to Christ. You pray for your grandkids to be here in church. You pray for people dealing with addiction to be delivered. And the church is eternal. You get that perspective, it will shape and build your prayer life. God's asking you, and I'm asking you this morning, will you give the Lord 40 days? Will you make a commitment to say, God, that 40-day period you used all through the Bible. And Lord, if you used it, it must be important because it develops a habit. This morning, will you commit to pray for 40 days? As you go through this prayer, God, there's all sorts of different topics and things you could be praying for. You can add more. But the point is, you have to... Take the discipline to say, I'm going to do it. You're not doing this to please me. You're not doing this to show off to your family members. You have an audience of one. You're doing this for the Lord. God asked His disciples, Jesus asked them, can you not stay awake for one hour? You give one hour to other things in your life, can you not give an hour to God? That's your commitment this morning. 40 days of prayer. It starts today. I'm going to encourage you, plead with you, to go through this prayer guide and ask God to move in your life, our church's life, lost people's lives, our nation's life, our military's life, our city's life, everyone around us. You quit being a critic. If you're going to, instead of talking about it, God's saying, why don't you pray about it? Bring your troubles Bring your burdens. Bring your difficulties to me. Lay them literally at the feet of Jesus. He can take it. You have burdens, sickness, death, whatever you're dealing with. COVID. And God is saying, just give it to me. I can take it. I have overcome death. I'm an eternal God. I'm the Word of God. I will take all your needs. And I will shape your life. God, I pray this morning, if there's anybody here, that they are wrestling with a decision to follow You. Lord, maybe they are like the disciples and they have been asleep. 
And you come to them and say, pray. Can you not stay awake for one hour so you won't enter temptation? Lord, you don't want us going through life sleeping. You are calling us. You're pleading with us, begging us to come to you and let you be the Lord of our lives. God, this morning, if there's anybody here that needs to get saved, that needs to take those first steps, the only prayer a lost person can pray is the sinner's prayer to get saved. Lord, I pray they'll come down and take my hand and trust in you as their Savior. Lord, we give you this invitation. I pray for your spirit to move in our hearts. Help us see the total dependence we need upon you in being a body of believers that's faithful in prayer. God, 40 days can change every single one of us. Children, teenagers, adults. Lord, I pray this morning that we are bold and we make a commitment to respond to the gospel. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Gene King's going to lead us in a song. We close every worship service, as you know, with an invitation. Jesus calls, just like he calls us to pray. He called his disciples. He's calling you. Just like Miss Jillian this morning who was baptized. If you need to get baptized, you do need